Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Marnie's Friends, the online training show where experts share insights into aspects of life and leadership that take you from surviving to thriving ASAP. Right now, you are about to discover practical, doable success strategies to shorten your learning curve, increase your productivity, and skyrocket your delight in life. Be sure to thank today's guest by sharing this program via your favorite social media outlet and swing by Marnie.com and give me a shout out too. Now let's get going with today's episode of Marnie's Friends. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is Marnie and I'm excited to have you with us this afternoon for another edition of Marnie's Friends and our guest today is Karen Whiting. We're going to be talking during this hour about 10 secrets to speeding up personal and professional growth. And during the next hour, you're going to want to grab something to take notes on because we're going to talk about the key to jumpstarting a growth spurt, the role of communication and strategies to maximize yours, the surprisingly big key to success that many people miss, how to transform rejection into or from painful to powerful forward motion, the exact process that helps you make new connections at business and ministry events and how to follow through on those, the smart and simple action you can take today to start growing faster, how to build marketing confidence, the roles of kindness and respect in your success, how to continually generate fresh new content your clients will love, and the key to staying relevant and why that is so important. Our guest today is Karen Whiting. She is an international speaker, a former television host, and the author of 23 books. She develops creative solutions to help women, families, and children thrive. Her website is karenwhiting.com, and welcome to you, Karen. Thanks for having me, Marnie. Well, it is great to have you, and I love having you as a speaker over at womenspeakers.com, and um, I've been looking forward to today because I know that you have really, um, you have done a lot of publishing. You've been, you know, in articles in over 700 uh, published articles, in over 70 periodicals. You've done a lot of traveling. Um, You have really played many roles in kingdom life and expansion, and I before we dive into these 10 secrets that I'm excited to get to, I was just curious if you had something you could share with us about like your own journey maybe, how you how you got to be here where you are today and just make it real brief just a synopsis of it. Well, as a mathematician, I did not expect to write books. But God not only called me, he gave me a vision and someone gave me a painting of the vision within hours of that vision. So I said I would really put forth every effort I could and listen to everyone on what to do in order to get published because he was calling me to do that. And that's exactly what I did. And when someone said at a writer's conference I went to, I should be spending at least 45 minutes a day as a beginner and I should be submitting something every month, I started doing that within three months. Not only did I get my first acceptance, but I had an acceptance for 100 straight months, and by then I was uh, doing columns and things. So I just wow. really focused on that. Wow, that is a, that's an amazing story, and you told it very quickly. <laughs> that's incredible. <Yeah>. Okay. <laughs> well, let's just start right in with the first secret because you actually have a key to help us jumpstart a growth spurt. And, you know, when I think of a growth spurt, I don't think, you know, like of a teenager or whatever. I don't think of a person 
actually being able to do anything to help them jumpstart a growth spurt. They just seem to come. And the thought of being able to actually make that happen faster is quite intriguing. Yes, well, if you want to jumpstart things, I think you first have to identify your strengths. I know we have to define our audience and know our goals, but no, you know, are you a person who's better on media or better writing little tip sheets, better blogging, whatever your strength is, know that that's going to be your passion. You're going to do it better, and that's going to help you jumpstart your growth. So focus on that first, and that will really help out. And then I also think you need kind of an umbrella, an image or a phrase that will pull it all together. I was speaking with a friend of mine, Yvonne Ortega, who's been on your show, I think. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. And yeah. she yeah. was working on a book from broken to beautiful, and I looked at the cover, and it had nothing to do with brokenness. It was pretty, but I said, you know, that's not going to tie it all together. I said, broken to me is like broken glass that is used for stained glass or to make uh, all kinds of things Mm -hmm. that are beautiful from it, but it takes that brokenness first. And that triggered everything for her where she made a cover for that. She started using phrases from that broken glass type of a thing throughout her book and it gave her something to hold on to but an image that people could grasp and see and see the message quickly and that's part of what you also want to do to help jumpstart your growth Mm, I love that idea and if if somebody doesn't have that like they they know where they're going but they don't know how to find an image or find a phrase, what would you recommend that they do? I recommend that they talk to people. And as they talk to people, see what resonates with that person and see if that person can give them back an image that they might like that will work with that. You know, this happened to Florence Littauer, who's such a well-known speaker and author, where Mm -hmm. she was speaking to children. And one child looked up and said, oh, so what you're really telling us is, it's a package tied with a silver bow. And that became the heart of the image that she used for things. So you never know where that's going to come from, but be willing to find out by talking to people and listening to what they say and write down some, uh, just brainstorm ideas of what you're doing and see where that common thread is that all of a sudden there You might go to Pinterest, put those words in, and images will pop up that you will start saying which one fits with what I am doing. Mm, I love it. That is awesome. You also talk about one of the secrets is the role of communication and strategies. Yes. Communicating is so important, and if you want to communicate for success, follow up with people, network, but it doesn't help to network if you don't follow up. If I'm a writer. When I was at a conference and met an editor, I followed up by thank you notes. I followed up with ideas, and when they accepted something and I had something published, I followed up with a thank you note and highlighted things that I liked about what was published. So if it was an article and I liked the, how they did the headline or how they put images with it, I made sure I made a comment about that. And then I would find those editors would send me notes at times too. And then they would even come to me and say, hey, I'm looking for someone to write this or write that. It's so key to just communicate, but make it a time that you're building friendship, that you are 
and encourage your and appreciating what you're getting as well as you are succinctly giving them ideas that they might be able to use that match the need of their audience. Mm. Yeah, I love that. Um, I know that as a as a radio show host, it's pretty unusual for me to get uh, thank you notes. And I was really intrigued after the first time that I interviewed Cecil Murphy, who's the best-selling author of over 100 books, um, including um, 90 Minutes in Heaven. And his after his interview, not only did I get an email thank you, I got a written letter from him <laughs> thanking me. And he followed up again after that. And that is his that is his practice. I mean, and I tell you what, that left such an amazing impression on me uh, that, you know, we had him back. And there's just, it's not that difficult to be grateful and to show uh, that, but it is a huge strategy. It really is. And he does it because he's a great guy and so should you, but because uh, you're a great gal. But at the same time, it is a huge strategy. It is, and, and I always do the email thank yous. I try to do those written thank yous, and sometimes I fall behind on that. And when I do, then I at least try to later send a Christmas card or an Easter card or some other note. But I, I try hard, and I'll often put a book no, note bookmark in with the note or some other little thing. Yeah. Under the category of communicating and strategies, did you have another thought there, or should we move along? Well, I would also say stay connected. So if you're working with a partner, if you're working with a publisher or a business person, stay connected, and if something's going wrong, let them know. You know, I can recall when my mother-in-law died and we were getting a big storm heading our way, we were going to lose power and we were going to have to try to fly to Florida from Maryland, that I got hold of my agent and said, I don't think I can talk to everyone, but here's a deadline coming up in three days. And this is going to be my problem. And so she did that for me. Normally, I go right to the person and make sure I let them know if anything is happening that they need to know about. The other thing is in staying connected, make sure if you don't understand something, you ask the question. And you say, you know, this is what I think you want from me, but can you explain or let me know is that correct? Yeah, that's great. That's great. And then then I always say, you know, and then there's that whole category of things that you don't know you don't know. <laughs> right. For that. Right. As, soon as, as soon as you figure out you, oops, didn't know about that, then you can follow up and uh, next time you'll know. So that works too. Okay, talk to us about the surprisingly big key to success that many people miss. I would say one big key, and it's really two, is persistence and humility. Be persistent and be willing to be humble. Be willing to rewrite things, rework something. If it's not working out or if you're getting constructive criticism, take it well and go that extra mile to redo things until they're as good as you can get them. You know, I... I have been a very persistent person. I had a book for boys that I wanted to do, and it took me 11 years to get a contract. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I did not give mm-hmm. up on it. I rewrote it. I thought of new ways to do it. I prayed about it, and I ended up believing God wanted me to have a co-author. So I talked to Jesse Florea from Focus on the Family. He had loved the concept of the book to begin with, and he agreed to do that. And the same time I talked to him, the editor of the publisher I thought would be best for the book was there. The three of us met, and she said yes, and we had a contract within weeks, and the book came Mm -hmm. out. 
And now I have a book coming out next month that it took me 22 years to get the contract on Gift of Bread. (laughs) Wow. But again, I persisted because I believed it. As long as you continue to believe in it, you have to trust God's timing on things. But don't just give up on it and be ready to rework and see how it's going to work out best. And when I met this one editor last summer, I thought, She's the right person, and I talked to her about it. She talked about what she wanted, so I went back to the drawing board, did things the way that I thought would fit, sent in, my agent sent in the proposal, and we had a contract within weeks. Wow, that's just amazing. 22 years, that's a a long time to wait. Uh, Talking about the humility side of things, I always always like to define it in my own heart as body life, that... um, God flows, God flows something through us, and, and because we really feel like God inspired that in us and, and grew it in us and birthed it through us, a lot of times we have the, a pretty big sense of ownership that it must be perfect because of how it came, but uh, the reality is that God really likes body life, and he likes to get quite a few people's fingers in on most things. Uh, how do you think of it? I, I, it helps me to think of it as body life. Like, okay, this is given to me, but it's not for me to own and, like, possess. It's for me to share. Uh, how do you think of it? Yes, I think of it as teamwork. You know, if you go right teamwork. back to Genesis, when Adam was there naming animals and all, God realized he needed a companion and someone to be with him. And I think he always believes in teamwork. He's a triune God. And so he's already working in teamwork. He gave us the scripture in Ecclesiastes that, you know, a a rope of three is not easily broken. So consider that your publisher, your editor, marketing people, and yourself, you're all part of the same team. It may have been you that God first gave that idea to and gave the passion to, but these team players are going to help bring that to birthing time and help perfect and polish it off. And so that is a really important thing. It it helped me that as a computer systems analyst, everything we did was teamwork, and you didn't own it as much as this is what's best for the business. And in this case, this is best for the reader to have this team behind the big idea. I love that. I love that. Well, this is Marnie Spiberg. We're visiting today with Karen Whiting of KarenWhiting.com. We're going to come right back and talk about how to transform rejection from painful to powerful and also the exact process that helps you make new connections at business and ministry events. We'll be right back. There is a huge difference between working for God and allowing God to work through us. My latest book, Flow Through Vessel, explains how to master the habit of letting God flow through our lives. When we try to do everything good for God, we quickly fail. But when we learn how to allow God to flow His life and love through us, we find strength for the day. Check out this new Bible study resource at www.marnie.com. That's www.marnie.com. Welcome back to 10 Secrets to Speeding Up Personal and Professional Growth with our guest today, Karen Whiting. Karen, next we're going to talk here about um, how to transform rejection from painful to powerful 
forward motion, and just before break, you had mentioned, you know, one of your books took 22 years, you know, one that's coming up took 22 years to find a home. Um, this, is, this is a huge thing for people. It's very difficult to take rejection. It's, it's really hard to have to wait and to not know what's going to happen. So how do you position that in your own heart and mind in order to not let it uh, set you back? Well, one thing I do is I think about Abraham and his sons, Isaac and Ishmael, and I always think, do I want an Ishmael because I'm rushing and pushing it on my own, or do I want an Isaac that God wants to give me? And that in itself, that thought helps me be more patient on waiting. Then with rejection, another thing that happened growing up, one of my grandmothers taught me to knit, and in knitting I often had to rip out and rework the piece to get it right until I also looked and said, oh, I bet I could do this to fix the problem without completely ripping everything out to pick up a drop stitch. If I was more in tune to what was happening and saw it, I could pick it up quicker with a crochet hook. And so it's also learning how do I fix things in order to go right. One of my first things I wrote was a puppet script for a company that had a magazine, and they rejected it. But when they rejected it, they sent me a little checkoff list where they could check why it was rejected. And they had almost everything checked mm-hmm. off. And I looked at this and looked <laughs> at my husband and said, look, if, if I write something and they can't check anything, they'll have to accept it. And he said, oh, yeah, right, honey. <laughs> but I did that. I started wow. writing a script that they couldn't reject because I, I checked and went through everything. If it needed humor, I said, okay, let me add humor, length, and everything else. And I sent it in, and within two weeks they accepted that piece. So that's one way is to analyze possibly why it didn't fit. Did it not fit that place? Maybe it's a magazine article. Go back to the magazine. See how they write things and why does yours not fit in there. Uh, If it's a book publisher, maybe your book doesn't fit that publishing house and they rejected it for that reason and you need to find where it fits better. But wherever it's going to fit, analyze what their best sellers are, what books they are doing, and what do they do to make those look good? Is it part of how they have their table of contents and the books organized that you can work with it? So that can prevent rejection, but it also can help you once they've rejected and given you any kind of positive feedback, you can work on that to change things and make it more successful for the next time you submit it. Absolutely, and I love I love what you just said. When I was writing, um, when I was writing my book that went on to be a bestseller ebooks idea to Amazon in fourteen days, I had a book that I that I went through and I answered the same way I answered every question <laughs> that was in that book, and wrote the book according to those guidelines, and it went on to be a bestseller. So I totally agree with you. If you will, um, you know, take input and, and just learn from learn from the rejections. I think the other thing too is like we were talking about earlier, timing. I I always say that when we get to heaven, I think that the timing piece is going to be the thing that shocks us the most. That we're going to be like, <laughs> really? I had to go through all that just so I could wait until that day to have that turn out. You know, but when I think of Christmas, you know, as a good parent. Uh, we buy the gifts in advance and wrap them and hide them or put them under the tree. But we, no matter how much begging is going on, <laughs> do not let the children open them early. You know, there is a right day for things to happen. Yes, there is. 
And it's so much better to wait because sometimes you'll learn as you go along. In 22 years, my bread book's much better than it would have been 22 years ago because I kept studying bread in the Bible and learning more, and I kept working on all mm. my bread recipes that I grew up making, and uh, those are in there too. And I, so I had more tips to tell people how to make it and have it turn out well because of more experience too. So it, it was fine, and I knew it would be in God's timing, and I'm so thankful it'll be in July. So we do have to know that that's part of the process and part of what we are doing. So some of that rejection is because of the wrong timing, and some of it's because you didn't look at the guidelines. You know, you every publisher, every magazine has their guidelines. Every company even knows what their goals are and how they want to to fit in with what their needs are. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's huge. I was thinking um, another book that I wrote was about um, girls' games and gifts of encouragement, and it was the story of the Ama L Club, which I had in my home for 10 years for high school or junior high girls. They'd come after school, and we'd make meals for families in need, and we'd do other things like that. And all the time during those whole 10 years when I was hosting that club, people would say, what are you doing? Will you tell me what you're doing? And I would try to explain it, but I never had any time to write the book until after. After I was finished hosting the Ama L Club, then I could write it all down and it became a book. So, you know, I think a lot of this that we look at and we define it as, you know, painful or waiting or failure or whatever, is really just, uh, it's really just part of the growing process. It's part of the timing process. And it really does relieve a lot of pain and stress to just look at it that way and stuff. Instead of always looking at it as straight up painful, <laughs> um, yes. Talk to it. You you actually have an exact process that helps us make new connections at business and ministry events. Well, I do. First of all, I study before I go to the event, and I check with other people. So recently, I was at a homeschool convention, and I studied on the chart what booths would be around me. So I might know what they were doing to see what connections and networking I could do with them. And I knew one publisher would be right beside me. I had gone to their website, saw what they published, and I thought, oh, I have a proposal for a math hands-on activity book that I think would be great for the homeschool market. And it's been on the back burner. I had shown it to one person, but at that time, uh, finances crashed for a lot of people. So I said, well, it's not the right timing. And when I got there, I, I don't push. I can offer and I can say things. I met her, talked to her, looked at what she had, and said, you know, I have an idea that might fit, mentioned a little bit about what it was, and she said, oh, that sounds interesting. That's all I said. Then I continued being friends with her because she's right next door. She was watching me, and the next day she said to me, you know, I would love to see your proposal. I like seeing how you engage with people as they come by, what you're doing. I like the books you've had, and I think you probably would have an outstanding book. So you see with that example, I studied, Mm -hmm. got to know who she was online first, got to meet her, offered. That's all I did, offered at one time, then I let her come back to me. And that's a great way for a one-on-one contact you're meeting. Now, with the people who are coming by that I wanted them to see my products, I'm, I talked to some other homeschool moms and said, what would you want? And some of them said, well, I'd want, you know, I'd want something to know how I can use that book. So I made handouts and I put them inside the cover of the books. And, and when people came by and looked at something, I'd pull that and say, you know, this is a handout to go with you. So I have this little girl's book, the one-year devotions for 
um, my princess devotions. And I said, but there's not stated, and yet there's a theme for every month. I have a minor in child development, and so I work on a body part every month. I work on a virtue, and this is it. So you could take this list to help bring it into your curriculum. You don't have to go in the order of the books, and we just have to write it in some type of order. And they just thought that was wonderful, and I did this for various books that I had so that I was giving them a tool to use what I was selling. Mm. Yeah, that's really cool. So what if you go to an event that, like, you can't study up for or something that you're just not sure, uh, you know, like it's a business, networking, or something like that? Do you have some suggestions for that? Yes, and I have one coming up. I'm going to be going to a free luncheon for women ministry leaders and pastors' wives. I've never been to it. I don't know what it is. So I will have plenty of my bookmarks with me. I'm going to have some index cards with me, and I'll have my phone, and I will take meet people, give them my card, but to get their information, I'll probably try to take a photo of them showing their name on their, their name tag, or name badge, whatever that's going to be, so that I can remember who they are. And on my index cards, I can write notes, or if they don't have a card to give me. I'm always amazed at how many people don't bring their business cards. If they have a card, I can take it and write a note on it. And then I will follow up with those people that I meet. But that's, I don't know what's going to happen. I just know I will be open. I'll pray before I get there, and I will talk to people and see how do we connect (laughs) And then how will you follow up? So let's say you take 12 pictures of people that you meet and you have their names and you have a way to contact them. How will you follow up? I'll do a few things. I will try to find them on Facebook or Twitter and follow them and write them a little message. I will email them and go back to, you know, just saying met you at, you know, the luncheon, and then I'll write a little note saying it was really nice to meet you. If I've written a little note on my thing, I can say something a little specific about them and say I'd love to connect a little bit more, get to know you better. And then until they come back to me, I won't offer what I might be able to do for them. Maybe I'm hoping that I could speak at their church or for their ministry. Maybe I'm just hoping that they would network me with someone who would want me to speak. But I'd first like to get to know them a little bit more Uh, because they'll be more open to that, and I'll be able to be more specific about what we might be able to do for one another. Yeah, absolutely. That's such a a great point. People like to work with people that they love and know. (laughs) So we're going to take a short break and come back and talk about the smart and simple action you can take today to start growing faster. We'll be right back. ever need a guest speaker or maybe you're a speaker who's available to go check out womenspeakers.com the largest online directory of christian women speakers in the world since 2002 connecting thousands of planners with over 1300 speakers speakers are available to you from every state denomination experience level and fee range you simply search when you have time anytime day or night and connect directly with the speakers that interest you no middlemen no hidden fees it's all simple easy enjoyable and online check it out today at womenspeakers.com that's www.womenspeakers.com Welcome back. And, of course, we're here today with one of our women speakers, Karen Whiting of KarenWhiting.com, talking about the 10 secrets to 
speeding up personal and professional growth. Um, one of the things I was thinking of as I was listening to that commercial was over at womenspeakers.com, typically summer uh, really slows down in um, event center invites. Uh, gals really push through May, and then it gets pretty quiet. June, July, then August, it just gets really busy again. But for some reason, this summer is not slowing down very much. We're just scheduling and connecting a lot of uh, speakers up. So just if you are looking for a speaker at this time, you know everybody's on their toes and speakers. Uh, it's a good time to go and update your profile over there at womenspeakers.com. Okay, Karen, let's talk about the smart and simple actions that we can take even today to start growing faster. Well, yes, and one thing I want to talk about is how to listen smart to build your business. And part of that is listening to success stories so you have a model to follow, such as listening today to see if there's some tidbit of information we're giving out that someone listening will want to follow. Listen to people's needs and how they are making connection. I, at the beginning of my writing, sat next to a magazine editor, and I had a list. I'd already investigated him. I thought, I can pitch these things, and I sat and said, so what do you want? And he says, well, I can tell you what I don't want. And he listed off everything I had on my list. <laughs> and I said, so what do you want? He said, I want something that will make me laugh. So I told him a story about miscommunication with my husband, and he was roaring by the end, and he said, send it to me. So then I, I went into one of his workshops to listen to what he wanted and found out he liked sidebars, refrigerator things, these little sidebars that you can cut out and put on your refrigerator. So I did two sidebars with this article, and I, because it was on Saran Wrap, <laughs> the image of what had caused this whole miscommunication, I uh, actually called it wrapping, um, something like wrapping communication for success. And um, he took that and he published it and, and that sidebar, which was ABCs of communication, I resold that sidebar I don't know how many times over the years, much more than the article. But I listened mm -hmm. to what he wanted and that's a big thing that we need to do because that's how you find out what the needs are. If you're in a, a retail store, a bookstore, ask that retailer, what's the book you wish you had on your shelf that you don't have? And keep asking till you find one that you say, oh, I could write that. <laughs> you know, ask a magazine article, what do you need? And the other way to listen to a magazine and listen to people is to read the, uh, the letters to the editor. I can't tell you how many times I've written articles and sold them because I read a letter to an editor and saw what the people wish they had in the magazine for them, and so I wrote that. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I would call it the hole in the market. Um, you know, so there's a glut of so many things, you know, many, many, many choices for many, many things. And then there's the things that are missing. And I think like what you said, you know, that's, that's not the most obvious thing to ask for, but what's missing. And yet that is a lot of times where your success will come is filling, filling a, a need that possibly hasn't even been verbalized yet. Right. Oh, and listen to changes in the industry. When Focus on the Family changed from a great big magazine to a small one, I said, oh, everything they have in their drawer is too long now. So I wrote something short, sent it to them, and sold it immediately. <laughs> I will look for that. Look for when a publisher has a new division because guess what? They need to fill that. So anything new, any change in the industry, and you can ask when you're talking to anyone, what's a new change coming up for you in your business or in your publishing? Now, 
I'm just going to ask a technical question for our listeners. At this point, how early do you send in uh, article suggestions like for Christmas, for uh, specific things like that? Are you six months out? Or does it depend on every single magazine that you work with, or how do you, how do you decide that? Every magazine is different, and when I get to know an editor that I'm going to write with regularly, I find out what their timeline is. The Christian Writers Market Guide or any Writers Market Guide for magazines and things will tell you what that timeline is for them. Doesn't always mean they go by that. That's what they publish. And uh, but in general, six months out for holidays and themes are the best thing to do. An evergreen issue, time management or something is going to be all year, but if your time management is more specific of how do you manage time when the school year starts or how do you uh, decide where to invest your time in the new year, well, then we're back to the six months out because we're tying it to a time of the year. Mm, yeah, that's great. And, and of course, the, the market guides are really helpful with that too. Um, you talk about building marketing confidence. First of all, how does marketing confidence differ from other kinds of confidence, and then how do you build it? To me, marketing confidence is to know that you're prepared, to know that your business is looking professional, that you are, and that what you have to offer is also going to be professional. And I'm going to do something for the listeners today. After we finish, I have an article, 10 Steps to Building Marketing Confidence, that I'm going to put as a free download on my website. So I don't think we would otherwise get through all of what I would like to say on this. It would be a whole other webinar. But one thing is to dress your business sharply, have good quality photos, have your photo on your business card so people remember who you are, have your website so that it does look professional, has a good first impression, has buttons that are easy to take them to where they want to go to. Do that by checking how other people are doing it and finding out what you think works best and then put, build it into yours. I always say walk faster, and that's to respond with opportun to opportunities fast, like I did with that article for Focus on the Family. Uh, and part of that is to create a list of articles you could write on your book's topic, articles that could tie to any time of year to specific times of year. To those same topics can be topics that you would speak on. So that what I'm saying there is you're going to fill your arsenal with bullets, with ammunition <laughs> that you can mm -hmm. pull out and hit the target whenever there's an opportunity and you're ready to do that. Practice your pitches. How would you state something succinctly, clearly, and quickly for what someone want, would want to know so that they might want to use it? I mentioned that math book. What I said to the person was, this hands-on math book is going to be filling the holes in math you don't get in normal curriculum, such as teaching children how to have better spatial relationships, how to understand benchmark estimation. She said, what's that? And I said, well, that's judging how many steps does it take me to go from my front door to my mailbox. How much do I pour of cereal before I've gotten a portion? And you do it by guessing and measuring and enough that you start developing a sense of knowing it. Well, this is part of what you're doing in Pitch Perfect is you're developing a sense of what works and how clearly can you learn to state things by practicing that? Another one is positioning yourself well 
to tap into the right affinity groups, to connect with the right people. I connected with American Heritage Girls from because I have a lot of books for girls. I've worked with them on developing badges. I'm going to do some more in the future. I've written for their leader magazine and blog for them at times because I felt like they were a good fit for me. Find who those affinity groups are and then find opportunities to connect with them. That positions you right. Sit in the industry's front row, and that's by getting known by the people in your industry. So editors get to know me. I get to know them because I'm at events where they are at. I talk to them. I listen, this type of thing. Compliment people and praise them for what you've seen that they've done well. If, if you see a book they've put out and you found out they edited it, hopefully you've read it, you know something about it, you can compliment them on that or something else that they do so that they understand that you're watching and you like what they like and maybe you would fit with them. Uh, Speak up, develop your relationships, and do let people know what you have to offer them. Make sure you have some kind of an umbrella or brand so they can understand you. I'm all about the family, so I always tell people, I write to grow tomorrow's wholesome families today. So if your family's not wholesome now, you can start it by tomorrow to be wholesome. If you're a child, I'm going to give you the skills to equip you to be tomorrow's family leaders. So that type of thing. Work at being your best, and that's by being healthy, okay? And focus on the content you're offering to make sure it's polished and it's good. Be in a critique group for that. And then again, back to what I started with, express gratitude. So all of this is in a little article that I'm going to be putting online, okay? That's awesome. That's awesome. And uh, the website, again, you guys, is karenwhiting.com, K-A-R-E-N-W-H-I-T-I-N-G.com. That was a lot of content there, Karen, and and I do want to just go back and (laughs) I want to go back to the one where you talked about pitch perfect and the necessity to not just kind of um, wing it. You know, and there is a, there's a verse in the Bible that says, you know, if, if you're taken before magistrates, God will give you the words to say in that moment. So in other words, don't prepare for every terrible thing that might happen to you word for word. But this is kind of the opposite of that. This is actually preparing, uh, preparing for a good thing to happen, preparing for the opportunity to actually pitch somebody your idea or your book or your concept or your business or whatever. And People, like when you think of the Super Bowl or or any kind of commercial, people invest a lot of time and money getting things just right in order to have the best results. When you think of someone working on their pitches, um, what kind of uh, tip or advice could you give us about how to do that better? I would say first write down your main talking point, or if it's something longer like a book, write down three talking points. Those are the three concepts you want to put together in a pitch or the main one. And then start saying, how can I put this together so that it flows well? That I can say, you know, I'm doing a book on time management that will provide inspiration, creative solutions, and practical ideas for women to make their days flow better. You know, that type of a thing you want to be able to say, I didn't come up with that right now. That's something that I have worked on so that I could say that and put it together. But you see, my talking points, it was going to be an inspirational book, so Christian. It was going to have creative solutions that aren't out there already. And it was going to have practical tips they could put 
into their life immediately. So part of that from what you're, what I'm saying is I have a takeaway in there because they always want to know what's in it for the reader, what's in it for the person who's the ultimate user. So make sure you know that, and that goes into your pitch. Make sure you know what's unique about what you have, and that should somehow be cushioned in that pitch. But try to make it something you can say in 30 seconds without saying it too fast. <laughs> right. right. It's, it's an, elevator pitch, an elevator pitch for the idea, for the concept. And I like to think, too, I like to remind everybody, instead of just putting the features of it, um, which is telling people what's in it, always remember to focus on the benefits to them because that's actually what people don't actually buy features. They actually buy what the feature does for them. That's what they're looking for it uh, when, they're, when they're making the decision. So the, the benefits of what you have to offer is such an important piece for this. Do you have any other thoughts on that? Well, I, I think the best thing is to not only practice, but if you have a critique group for writing, have some of that time be for doing pitches so that you can also hone each other's pitches. Find a partner that you can pitch back and forth to, and that will help hone that down better. And say it to other people at times when you think you have your pitch to see if it resonates with them, especially if they're your target audience. And if it doesn't, maybe you have to work on it more. Back to persistence and humility. <laughs> and I always say for me, yeah. for me, when I'm with someone who I think is in my target audience, and I pitch it, and they respond to me with, wow, i got to get one of those. Or they respond to me with, I know someone who needs that. Like my sister would really like that. I'm really looking for, if I believe that that person is in my target audience, I'm really looking for them to personally own it, to, for them to personally get excited about it. It's a whole different thing when I say I need that than when I say I can think of someone who might need that. It's a different level of engagement. And so I'm watching for I'm watching for the spark in the eye of the person who I believe is my target audience for her to really recognize though so this is for me. It's what I've been hoping and dreaming of. And I think I'm gonna be one of your first customers. Well this is Marnie we're visiting today with Karen Whiting. We're gonna come back and talk about some more of the ten secrets of speeding up personal professional growth. We'll be right back. Leaders across America rely on womensevents.info to find the major Christian women's events coming to their area. Womensevents.info is the only online directory of its kind featuring all the upcoming major Christian women's events. You are invited to search for events coming near you or to add your own major Christian women's events. Everything's easy and accessible over at womensevents.info. That's www.womensevents.info. There's always women's events coming up, so you want to check that out over at womensevents.info. Welcome back. This is Marnie. We're talking about 10 secrets to speeding up personal and professional growth with our guest today, Karen Whiting of KarenWhiting.com. Karen, let's talk about the roles of kindness and respect. Um, it's kind of interesting. It's in personal growth, kindness and respect. Talk to us about that. They are. My father always said there's never too much kindness in the world. And he was very successful. I, I certainly believe that's important. Kindness 
is a door that opens the heart of the other person so that they want to listen to you. Kindness is something that helps our relationship go smoother, and it helps people remember you in a positive way. Respect shows you value the person. I have seen and talked to so many editors who say what really ruffles their feathers is when someone says, God gave me this and every word is perfect, you can't change it. Well, that has totally (laughs) devalued and disrespected the editor who believes God has called him or her to perfect your words and to polish them. And they're like, you don't value me at all. You just want me to just push it on through. And maybe I don't agree with that because I believe I have a gift to help it shine more and be better. So respect goes a long way in that relationship and in somebody at a publishing house or a magazine wanting to work with you because it does show I value you. You're part of the team I want to be on when you give them respect. It is so important. I like how you phrase that, and I've never heard it phrased that way before, but of course the editor or uh, maybe the people who are backing your um, invention idea or whatever, um, they do believe that they are positioned in your life for a purpose other than just um, doing it exactly the way that you had in mind. And, you know, we can look at a lot of stories, um, uh, the Apple story, you know, the, the computer story. You know, there are many, many stories of people who started with ideas and they at some point actually got kicked off of their boards and the people were like, no, you can't even be part of this anymore. I know it was your idea, but you can't even be part of this anymore until you recognize that you have to play as a team player, you know? And and yeah. it is hard for us. We do feel right. like, you know, we do, we do feel like it's yeah. ours. And, and, you know, the kindness fits in there at times when an editor wants you to change things that you really believe in. This is part of the heart of what you've written. And so you have to kindly explain what it is. And maybe it's not that they wanted to kick it out as much as they didn't understand it. So you may have to reword it for them to understand it more clearly. And then they'll say, ah, now I get it. Of course it belongs there. And that's what I've had to do at different times. When I find that they want to edit out something I believe is important, I'll step back and I say, so why aren't they getting it? And how can I rewrite it for them to get it and understand the importance of this particular segment of what I am writing? But I do it in a very kindly way and say, you know, I think it's important, but maybe I didn't write it in a way that you grasp my passion. And so I'm rewriting it now and tell me what you think and can we talk about this. And I find that kindness and that respect makes a huge difference. And I'd say 99% of the time when it's something that I really do want to keep in, I get my way because I have taken that time to use kindness, respect, and explain and, and rewrite when I need to what it is and why it's important. <laughs> I was in a team meeting recently, and um, we were we were all on the same page except for one person, and this person was really struggling with the concept of going forward in the new direction. And at the end of quite a long time, she said, she said, well, she said, I still don't think I agree with you, but you have all been so kind in how you've presented this. And I respect that you have a different perspective. And so I think we should just try it and see what happens. And it is the same 
it's the same concept. It actually opens, like you said, it opens the heart of others to allow them con- to, to consider what you're saying. And, and I love that kindness and respect. Karen, um, you continue to put out, uh, you know, you've already have 23 books out. You're coming out with 24 now. And you have a lot of blogs, a lot of articles, all that kind of thing always going on. How do you continually generate fresh new content that your clients love? Part of it is I do listen to needs. I, I check and see what people are talking about, what's happening. Now, I just spent a couple of weeks in China where I was on the platform of panels talking to parents. I was coaching camp directors. I was speaking to teachers, and I was working with children. And I was also listening and noticing what was happening, and I saw the great love these parents had for their children, the teachers had that for so many years they could only have one child and they are consider those children so precious. But I also heard their pressure and how they felt these children had to perform and they had to learn, memorize all these things, and they were so pressured. And that type of thing gives me new things to talk about them, and I quickly came up with some tools that might help them in the different ways that they're doing while encouraging them and praising them for how they just love on their children and how precious they are. And all of that helps you because you look around, you see where there's a need, you can see what you can also encourage, and combining that just continually gives me new things to write about. Mm. So for someone who is maybe not a writer, um, where where would where do you find the ideas? Do you just continually hang out where your people are? Part of it is hanging out and listening to people. You can do that even on Facebook. You can go to a mall and sit down and listen to people as they go by. It's amazing what you can hear. Uh, you can also read the news and see what's happening. You know, fear may be a big thing, but it's never the same fear. When there's terrorism, fear is very different from a natural disaster, from hearing the word cancer in your family. All of those are different types of fear. So you have to look and see what's happening across your region and across the country to understand on any type of issue what is really going on in people's hearts and minds at the time and what is, you know, just try to put your finger on what's happening that people want to know more about or that they want to be encouraged on or calmed about. And those things in themselves will give you content to write about. You know, it doesn't matter what you're doing. You may be a person who's writing about bicycles or maybe the person who fixes and repairs or sells bicycles, but all of a sudden you can realize that fear may be there because you don't want them out biking alone. And that's very different from the fear of just falling as they're learning to ride a bicycle. And so it's just being attuned to what is happening in the world and, you know, even checking on demographics of what's happening. You know, I know that... My son was born during um, the Desert Storm period of time, so I knew there were a lot of children born in there. There was a big crisis. Everybody had babies. That that would be a whole big baby boomer age that would continue to grow with him, and those needs would be a big need. And, in fact, when he was two, everybody wanted picture books. There weren't enough of them out. Then we all of a sudden we didn't need as many. And, that you know, when he was a little bit older, we needed a lot of YA books. And so... Be aware of what's happening in the world. Hmm. That's cool. Another thing I was thinking as you were talking about that is also to 
look at your topic or your field of expertise from every different angle. So try to stand in the shoes of the people that are looking at it from every perspective. And um, that, that is the exercise that most of us don't do. We really only That's look right. at it from our perspective. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> you know, I mentioned my uh, book for the little girls, my princess devotions, and I said to the publisher and my agent, you know, I think I'll do uh, an article on this book for teenagers. And they said, this is for little girls. And I said, oh, who works with little girls all the time but teenage babysitters? Who do those little girls look up to but the teenage babysitter as their mentor? So I'm going to do an article on mentoring a little princess and using some devotions from this book. And I pitched it and immediately had it accepted with a teen magazine because it fit. And it's just always thinking, who do I go to and who's a secondary, you know, readership for this book? Because as babysitters, they could use those and bring it into the home of that child. Or they could suggest to the parent, if you get it, I can read that when I'm here. And so, yeah, you do have to look and think for each audience, how would I write an article that might draw them to using that book in some way? Mm, love it. Well, the last thing we're going to talk about is staying relevant. And, Karen, I'm going to give you an example here because from your bio, you have whitewater rafted in Australia, ridden a camel in the Canary Islands, scuba dove off Bermuda's coast, bicycles along the coastline of Singapore, and enjoyed the Three River um, Gorge, Gorge Canoe or Cruise in China. Now, it would be tempting for you to just always write about the exciting things that are happening to you, kind of like a Twitter feed of of. Uh, Karen's exciting life, right? But how do you actually stay relevant? Well, again, you stay relevant for getting to know people. So I didn't just bicycle out in uh, Singapore just to bike ride. I was bike riding with young adults, a few of whom had been in my conference that I was teaching on creative ministry. They were all from this one church, but I used that time to get to know them and find out more about what their needs were. So no matter what you're doing, you can also be interacting. And, yes, part of it, I do that just to see the beauty of a country because that's a great way to see what's there and to touch base with that. So a country may have problems, uh, you know, with freedom or something else, but if you can also point to the beauty, then you can use that as a combination when you're writing an article so people can think, oh, yeah, there is something good about that, and there is something that maybe they need that I could help with. And it's always knowing how am I going to use this as well as just using those as times to get to know people, times to help yourself relax too. I mean, some people may not think that's relaxing, but I find all those things fun. Yeah, and I think... I think the key with relevance is that it has it has um, it offers something that people are needing today. So I would say a relevant beverage for me would be the beverage that would satisfy my current thirst. Uh, so maybe some other time I might like a hot chocolate, but on a hot summer day, probably not. You know, <laughs> and so you know, there's this. There's this piece of relevance that's important, even though maybe you just did it, um, it's maybe not the right time to share it. Uh, how How do you know what is relevant and what is maybe just more information? Well, 
That, again, is, is being in tune to what your reader is saying to you and what you're hearing and feedback from people. So, you know, when I was in Hawaii, uh, no, in Miami, I had a huge closet that I didn't expect. It was 10 by 12 feet. Now, to just talk about that could make a lot of people jealous. But when I talk about Hurricane Andrew coming and that all of my family could fit into this space, when the hurricane came and did $99,000 of damage, no one's thinking about the size. It's relevant because we had a place we could be together. And it was a protected place without windows and glass and things. And so you do have to think, when is it going to be right and when is it going to trigger the wrong emotions in your reader? That was a perfect illustration because it is so true that, you know, if we just start just spilling everything that's in our life, everything that's in our thoughts, it it can really cause some people to uh, feel bad or have a negative response instead of being the useful information that we hoped it would be. Well, we are nearing the end of our time together here, Karen, and I want to make sure that you guys know how to get a hold of her. It's KarenWhiting.com. Earlier she said that she would have a report for you over there, 10 Steps to Building Marketing Confidence. Be sure to swing by and ask for that. Also, what else are they going to find over at your website, Karen? Well, they'll find a little bit of a message about me, some blogs they can check on and a little news. They can go to my book area if they want to find out more about each of my books. They can go to my press kit to see where I've been on radio or my speaker uh, button to see where I'm going to be in the future. And then the free re- the resources, which includes articles, uh, some videos, some downloads. And the download area there under resources is where you're going to find the article I mentioned today because I do try to put fresh things up, and particularly when I'm talking to an audience like this, I want to offer them something to connect with them a little bit more. And they'll That's find links awesome. to my Facebook so they can get in touch with me and chat. To be friends. <laughs> yes. That's awesome. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being here. Do you have a, a theme verse for life or a favorite Bible verse? Uh, Ephesians 3.16 is my Bible verse which really uh, is a prayer to be empowered in the innermost being with God's glory and his power. And I always think of that as his creative power. That's what I want in, in me, and it's mm-hmm. something that God kept bringing me to. Wow, I love that. I love that. I found it interesting. I did a study one time, all of the Bible's 316s, you know, because we all know John 316. There's uh, a lot of really fantastic 316s in the Bible. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, thank you. Thank you, Karen, for being here, and thank you for being here. We can't have a show without listeners. It's always such a delight to share this hour with those of you who can come live over to Blog Talk Radio and to those of you who listen around the web and those of you who host the site, host the radio show on your own sites using RadioBot. So grateful to you and hope that you will join us again next time for Marnie's Friends. And until then, have a wonderful day. Talk to you next time. Bye-bye. moments right after the show and help me out i am curious who we're missing so for example do you know of any speaker who is missing from womenspeakers.com do you know of a guest expert who you'd love to hear me interview on marnie's friends or maybe you know of a major christian women's event group that is not yet represented over at womensevents.info Would you just take a moment after the show, swing over to Marnie.com and use the support link at the bottom of any page to recommend her to us. That would be awesome. I thank you for partnering with me in ministry, and God bless your day.